so let me, let me tell you what happened to me. Wednesday night, I, I kind of got to teach, and I taught from a very angry point of view. When I got in my truck on the way home, I was like, Lord, I don't think what I was feeling and what I was relaying got, came across the right way. I wasn't angry at people. I was angry at the devil. I, 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 was, I came across something over the Christmas holidays, and they called my generation the age of anxiety. And it made me so mad. I heard that and I thought about so many people. Today, I want to talk to you about a biblical perspective of anxiety. We have called it everything. And listen, I told them Wednesday night, if you are on anxiety medicine, number one, I don't know about it. Please don't tell me about it. I don't need to know about it. But the same way if I was blind, I wouldn't go drive a car until God healed my eyes. Keep taking the pill till God heals. Do you hear? Okay, everybody, medical disclaimer out of the way. I'm not preaching about just cold turkey and drugs that doctors have given you. We're not going there, okay? Keep, keep till God heals your eyes. Don't drive any cars. Don't, don't stop taking medication. I'm not a doctor. But I want to talk to you about God's perspective. So as I hear this, I'm sick over Christmas and I've, I'm like five days in the bed and I'm going nuts if you know me I'm going crazy and God has almost like he makes us lie down in green pastures he's almost put me on my back so he can talk to me so I begin to think about Daisy Kate who's and if you don't know that that's my niece that was just born last week she has the cutest cheeks of any kid you've ever seen I absolutely love her and I begin to think about Daisy Last week, and so when they got me on Wednesday night, they got me raw, just angry at the enemy who's come in and destroyed lives. So he began to ask me a question about Daisy Kate. If, if I have the ability to make sure that Daisy Kate has a peace of mind, her heart is good, she has an abundant life, would me be an uncle, would I not give that to her? I think about Riley, who is nine ounces now, we found out Thursday, maybe a little more. And I think about Riley, and I think about if anybody tried to hurt Riley, it'd be over. It'd be crazy. You better shoot me 30 times because 300 pounds of maniac will be on you. <laughs> and God began to show me I'm your father. Your love towards Riley is evil compared to my love towards my children. I said that. Jesus came on the scene and was like, no, like as much as you can love and your ability as a human, my love is so much greater that your love looks evil compared to how good I am. But yet the body of Christ is walking around saying I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm defeated, and we are speaking things into existence as our Father is going, all you gotta do is ask. I want you to have life. I want you to have an abundant life. I want you to be blessed. I do not want you to wake up every day defeated by anxiety and stress and worry and I was mad Wednesday night I was angry because we just have accepted it that it's a normal thing it is not normal we are not going to go down if I can help it as a church and as a generation an age of anxiety is not biblical amen so I have no idea where I am in the notes, but I'm going to try to show you some things to do when anxiety comes. Have you ever been anxious? Bethany and me were talking. As I'm thinking about this, I'm like, Lord, give me a word to your people that are anxious. Somebody's at our house last night. And all of a sudden we're talking about, I don't even know. And they look and they have tears coming down their eyes. And they say, anxiety is destroying me. They had no idea I was thinking about this. They weren't there Wednesday night. And we laid hands on them in our kitchen. And the Holy Spirit came into our kitchen so real and so strong. What was he doing? He was reaffirming to that person, he's a good father. And that it bothers him when we are attacked in our mind. Now, if you think I'm standing up and looking down at you and saying, well, just get over it, that is not the message. 
I was crippled. Bethany would call it one of the worst times in our life. All of a sudden, I didn't know what happened. I've never had any kind of problems like this. Anxiety came over me like a wave. And one day it was on me and I couldn't get it off of me. And I would go to work and I would come straight home. I would get in my recliner and I would cry for hours. I had no idea what was going on. So if you think I can't relate to you, you need to understand, I promise you, I can relate to you. If, you, if your anxiety is crippling and your fears and your worries are holding you down, I understand now. I wouldn't have understood. It was a terrible time of my life, but I wouldn't give a billion dollars for it because God showed me some things through the journey. Amen? First thing he showed me is he's faithful. Look at Luke 21, 34 through 36. Jesus is talking about the last days. He says, take heed to yourself, lest your hearts become burdened by excessiveness. I want you to see, are we there? He's talking about the last days. Is excessiveness just running rampant right now? That shows me that excessiveness is not freedom, it's actually a burden. Everybody thinks all this great technology and all this stuff that we have is amazing, but it's actually our burden. It's not our freedom. Drunkenness, and then look at this part, anxieties of life. It's right there in the scriptures. Jesus said in the last days, not only is it gonna be all these other things, but anxiety of your whole life is gonna come on you if you don't take heed and you're not aware. Look, he says, unless in that day, people that are anxious are not looking for the coming of the Lord. He said, so anxiety comes over you, and all you begin to think about is your fear now and what's happening now, and you completely forget about heaven. We were singing that first song this morning. Oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face. If anxiety has crippled your heart, you are not thinking about the day where Jesus Christ looks at you and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, forever, you won't ever know what anxiety is. I've done it all. It's finished. Amen. So look at 35. For as a snare, it'll come on all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Therefore, watch always, pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will happen so that you can stand before the Son of Man. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We pray for your holy anointing. We feel it, Lord. God, it's not about a good sermon. We need you to help. God, those that are battling anxiety that even no one knows about, I pray today that you free them, Lord. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We thank you how much you love us. Oh, God, you don't want us to burden. Lord, you even said cast our cares and our anxieties on you because you love us so much. So today we cast them to you, Lord. Help us. Amen. Matthew, let's, I just want to look at a few scriptures. Matthew 6. Therefore I say to you, take no thought about your life, what you will eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it, Listen, we live in a crazy age. We are right here. Everybody's worried about having name brand clothes and where we're going to eat and restaurants and the hustle and bustle of this world. And he's like, hey, the last thing a believer should worry about is what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, how they're going to do. Now, there's a lot of you in here that's been serving God for a long time that you knew when you had a need, say you had needed a house, he gave you a house. When you needed a car, he gave you a car. When, he need, when you needed a job, he gave you a job because he's a good father. Don't you dare let anxiety, I don't even know if I have a point system, but my point number one, I guess we'll go with, is don't forget what God's done for you. Don't you forget in the middle of the trial that God hadn't brought you always through. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. He always comes through. So Jesus is on the scene. This is his first sermon. All these people know God as a God that makes the thunder and the mountains. And if you touch that mountain, you die. And they're scared of God. They don't understand he's a loving father, that he's approachable or about to be approachable. And Jesus is like, I got to get with your mind first because your mind's messed up. So he deals with our minds. And he says, 
is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. For they don't sow, they don't reap, nor do they gather into barns, yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Look at him, a challenge in our mindset. How many things did you worry about this week where if you would have just read the scripture and said, what in the world am I worried about? The bird woke up today. Now we get birds outside of my bedroom where I'm currently living right now, and I want to shoot all of them with BB guns. (laughs) They sing right outside my bedroom at 5 a.m. I'm not a happy camper. But they they wake up stress-free. They don't think, oh man, I hope there's worms. It's cold outside. I hope I can find somewhere warm. They just sing away. And Jesus says, look, this is not silliness or, or like we're not elementary. This is a principle for adults that you better understand and grab that if the birds do it, man, I went to the cross for you. I want you to be blessed. I want you to prosper and be in good health as your souls prospers. Third John. One of my favorite scriptures in one of the shortest books of the Bible. You see the heart of God. I want you to prosper. I want you to be in good health. I want you. I'm God. I'm pulling for you. Go to verse 27. Who among you, this is what I love. Let's get down to the anxiety. Who among you by taking thought could add one cubit to your stature? Keep going. Why take thought about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither work nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not dressed like one of these. I love the word of God. Therefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is here and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. So what's the source of our anxiety? A lack of faith. It's a lack of faith in him. See, we are Americans. So we've made it where our faith is in us. If I want something, I'll get something. I'll climb, I'll work hard, and thank God we are Americans, and thank God we have freedom. That is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God says... I can't do anything without you. That actually, we're a branch and you're the vine. If you don't supply me with my nutrients, I will never be fruitful. I will never grow. And all of a sudden, your mind has to become kingdom. Not earthly kingdom, heavenly kingdom. Isn't it funny that Jesus' first message, it says he became on the scene and he began to preach from that time forward, repent for the kingdom why in churches are we not screaming there's a kingdom the kingdom has a dress code i'm just going to go off from that keep it up so i remember where i was the kingdom has a dress code come on ladies you can't dress like a hooker and say you serve god is that blunt enough the kingdom that you were born into has a dress code It's clear in the rule book called the Bible. You dress modestly. Well, I can't get a man unless I dress provocatively. That kind of man ain't a man. You please your father with your dress. You say, man, this is new and weird. You find Jesus and get into his kingdom, you'll realize it's not weird at all. This is the way to a really good life. That was free. The kingdom has a dress code. The kingdom has a way we talk. The kingdom has a policy and a rule. That's why I don't know why everybody has a problem with a wall. God's kingdom has always had a wall. If you don't like the wall, take your front door off. The hinges. It's common sense. It's not Republican or Democrat. It just makes sense. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Our Father, He's got to get us kingdom-minded. So now that I'm in your kingdom, God, our God shall supply all our needs according to His riches and glory. Now I belong to Him. I'm in His kingdom. 
now all of a sudden my burdens are no longer my burdens because now that I'm in his kingdom, they're his problems. And now, like, I can now cast them on him. I love that word cast because it says Jesus cast out devils. It's the same word in the Greek. It means to throw it at it as hard as you can. And what that really is saying, when he said, in the name of Jesus, or, or get, he didn't have to say that. When he said, get out of them and leave, he threw them out of them. Not to enter in. And he's saying the same thing Peter is writing there and saying, take your anxiety. Take everything you're worried about and don't just kind of play with it. Sling it as hard as you can on me and throw it away from you and become unattached to it and give it to me because don't forget, this is the kingdom principle. I really do care. How many believers are sitting on pews today that say they believe God cares about them, but they don't really believe it? I thank God for Dr. K. When he first started coming here, he realized I had a problem. He realized that I knew the word, but I didn't believe the word. And he's always praying for me, and he's always talking to me about believing. See, I was kind of raised in the, some, it wasn't even my parents. It was the churches had this thing. It definitely wasn't my parents. Where I thought if I didn't, come down to the altar every single Sunday and just grab on for dear life that I was just going to bust hell wide open. Now listen, I'm scared we're now way too far the other way. It scares me how little people come down to the altar now. God starts moving in the sanctuary during worship and I'm like, whoa, that's the time he usually is shining his spotlight on problems. There should be a repentance that follows the anointing that comes in the house. Some of these girls throw down here and I'm like, yeah, see, that's what it looks like. So I'm not about not coming to the altar. I'm about walking in a place where you know how much God loves you and that you understand fully that if any man sin, if we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous, and he will wash us free from all of our sins. Have you done something this week you probably need to repent about? Well, if you know he loves you, you repented about it. And you asked him to help you and you asked him to change you, didn't you? I hope you did. I'm pretty sure this is a great church. You ever been in traffic? There might be some times where he has to show us what the fruits of the Spirit look like. You might have to repent sometimes. So, did I give you any more on that? Keep going. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Listen, he wasn't just covering these three guys. He's now saying, be careful what you are saying. Well, I battle anxiety. And the devil is listening going, yeah, I'm winning. I'm beating them down. I'm stealing. I'm killing. I'm destroying them. And I've even got them now confessing it. Now listen, I am not, if you know me, a fan of blab it and grab it, spit it and get it, or any of that foolishness. I do not think you should be claiming Lexus and all this stuff. I don't think you should. I think God will bless you with things. Like I said earlier, nothing wrong with any of that. The blessing is a blessing. But you don't have to speak it into existence. The speaking of life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's things like that. Well, I just always have been. Well, this runs in my family. And we've seen all these people blabbing mansions and we're in the church now. We're like, well, we don't believe in any of that. So now you've got everybody on pews that have swung the other way. We have no confession. We have no declaring the word of God. We have no people that rise up like the scriptures say, I will live and I will not die and declare the praises of the Lord and speak those things that aren't as if they were. That's what's wrong with us. We're not looking at the word of God. We're not focused on the word of God. We're, our hearts are so filled with everything else. When anxiety comes, there's no word there. There's no direct word from God. I am a child of God. He will deliver me. Isaiah 43 says, though I walk through the water or the fire, I will not be overcome. He loves me. I'm going to make it. Yeah, yeah. 
You know what's easier to do? Say, I'm battling anxiety. Give me a pill, doc. It's just easier, God. It's not my responsibility. Just give me a pill. Remember back to my previous statement. If you take medicine, continue to take your medicine. (laughs) You are walking beneath, and I am walking beneath our God-given right for no worry. I've been guilty. I'm so guilty. Let us start storming a little bit. Not out there. We've had enough of that. Let life start falling. And the first thing that we begin to question is God's goodness. That's the core of it all. Did I go through 34? Let's keep reading. For the Gentiles seek after these things. For your heavenly father has what that you know you have need of. Go to 33. I read that all wrong, but you got it. (laughs) So seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh Uh-oh. So maybe our problem with anxiety is we're seeking things and not, what is it? The kingdom of God. How many people have ever read that? Seek you, God. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that. I mean, there's plenty of verses that tell us to seek God. I mean, if if you've missed that in Christianity 101, that you should want more from God, we need to get you back in Sunday school. Because seeking God is part of encountering God. If you encounter God and don't want more of him, you haven't encountered God. Just tell you that much. This is not saying seek you God. That's already a given. That's saying, seek you the mindset of the kingdom of God. Seek you a mindset into the kingdom that you've born into. Righteousness, joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. He's clear about what the kingdom is. We are kingdom principles. So if you don't have peace, you're not seeking the kingdom of God in your life. Kingdom of God is victory and joy unspeakable and full of glory. Even when it means it's hard. Even when it's not going right at all. You can have a kingdom mindset and a kingdom heart that even though it looks terrible, my God is working and my confidence is not in me. My faith is not in me, but it's in my good father. It's a kingdom thing. And he says, hey, by the way, if you'll seek God's kingdom, he'll blow your mind with all the other things he gives you. Amen. That's like they they just brutally went after this pastor that has worked so hard. And he gives all this money, millions of dollars to the poor. And he cares about people. And he's been blessed and he's been writing books. He don't take a salary from his church. He lives on his book sales. And he bought his wife a really nice car. And everybody just crucified the guy. I'm like, what, what's wrong with that? Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought, he's, he's given to the poor? He's done more for the poor than anybody I know. He's not burdening his church. He's blessed by God. He grew up so dirt poor. And I thought about our pastor. He retired and God spoke to him and said, you've built me five houses, which he's built five churches. I want you to build yourself a house. And he did. Well, preachers shouldn't live in big houses. I can't help that mindset. You're going to have to fix that yourself. If you feel that way, that's great. But they went after this. We're together. So I'm not against material possessions. He's going to give you, if your heart don't get burdened with that stuff, D.L. Moody that we always talk about was a multi-millionaire. I was reading his life the other day. He just, he lived in the same small house. He was happy. He had anything he needed and he gave most of it away. It had no effect on him whatsoever and he was blessed. Are we cool with all that? I got two amens, so some of y'all mad at me about talking about that pastor. You start talking about money, you get people weird. Get the context of what I'm saying. 
Believe it or not, it's actually the law of sowing and reaping. If you sow and you try to better yourself and you do your job well and your craft, God will bless you. It's, a, it's part of it. I, th- I just call that common sense gospel, but whatever. 634. Therefore, so in light of all this, take no thought about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take thought about the things of itself. Amen. Sufficient is the day and the trouble thereof. So I'm reading this as a young teenager and I don't understand because I know some scriptures that say there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel and where there's no vision the people go unrestrained you say perish but the real translation says go unrestrained it's a lot different than perishing the dog that goes unrestrained Before he perishes and gets hit by a car, he gets in everybody's garbage. He gets in everything. There's a difference. People with no vision, they don't just die instantly and perish. They're unrestrained in every area of their life. They're causing chaos everywhere. It's a better translation. So put that back up. So I'm thinking, I'm like, this almost feels like it's Jesus is contradicting vision. He's like, today, but I'm like, Lord, but a vision is for the future. So I'm praying about this. And it's one of the coolest things he's ever showed me. And you probably already know it and that's good, but I'm talking to the rest of us that didn't. It doesn't contradict at all. He showed me that if you get the vision, you will know what to do on a daily basis. And if you will handle your business today, it will take care of the next day. And when you handle your business the next day and you're praying and you're reading and you're studying and you're doing everything right, it will take care of the future. He's right on with it. But I think we miss it there. We are so caught up with what could be tomorrow that it brings such anxiety in our lives because we are focused on something that might not ever happen. Lord, I don't know how that's going to work. He's like, I'm going to work it. Why are you worried about it? Focus on you today. Get closer to me today. I got that. Before I formed you in your mother's womb. That's it. We quote that over preachers. And I'm just so blown away. That is a word for everybody that's ever going to be born or has been born. He formed you. He knew everything about you. He knew those things you call weaknesses. He knew they were there. He went to the cross to make sure he had you covered in every single way. I formed you. I am not shocked that your world is falling apart today. You're shocked. Didn't shock me. And you know, me saying that and kind of being funny, it's funny until it's your world falling apart that day. (laughs) and you're like oh man that's when this comes into play your feelings are out of this if you live a life of feelings listen to me you will be I've been around a lot of little awesome babies lately there's so many Christians that never get to the pull-ups much less the bottle out of their mouth every little thing I haven't learned a whole lot about babies yet but I'm learning a couple of things If they cry, it's usually pretty easy what to do. Give them milk. It'll work. Give it to them then, right then. Or if they cry, change their diaper. I'm learning. That's all you got to do. They quit crying usually. There you go with church. Give them their own little way. Put that bottle in their mouth. They'll quit crying. They ain't worried about nobody else. They ain't worried. It's their problem and they want everybody to know about it. It's so terrible. (laughs) They ain't thought about being discipled. They haven't thought about reaching out to other people. And every mess they make, they expect you to take full responsibility for their mess and change their diaper. Now that's free and that wasn't in the nose. But I feel that. If you're in a place where it's always everybody else's fault and everybody else is supposed to clean up your mess, you are a babe in Christ. 
There's a book by a Navy SEAL named Jocko that I'm reading. It's called Extreme Ownership. Every single Christian should read Extreme Ownership. You have to take ownership for your life. It ain't everybody else's fault. That'll lead you to crazy anxiety. And now the last scripture. Man, I feel God here today. Have you noticed a lot of people don't want to talk about anxiety? So when I hear that we're the age of anxiety, I'm like, what? Like, Lord, on our watch? I, I didn't say this scripture, but I want you to think about God did not give you the spirit of fear. Oh, we're in the Bible Belt. Power, love, and a sound mind. I can quote it. Got it on a refrigerator magnet. <laughs> Great. The devil can quote it too. It's one thing to quote these scriptures that we've heard. It's another to add them to our life and make them the sword of the spirit. To get them in here. Not up here. Thank you, Brother Hank. But to really believe it and to know it. And now it's a sword that you say, no, I am not. My mind is under attack. The Holy Spirit promised that he would give me a mind that is stable and a mind that is sound. And that soundness means that God's got this. No matter what I'm worried about, the mind says it's about him. He's going to bring you through it. We will always triumph in Christ Jesus. And the word of God has to flow through our mind. Romans 12, 1, let us be renewed, by, by conform, I mean, transformed by the renewing of our mind. Once again, everybody, oh, we know that scripture. That's great. He even wrote one time, he was like, yeah, the devils know it, and they tremble. So, is your mind being renewed every day? Metamorphosized is the word. Are you becoming from a caterpillar to a butterfly? No, because I slept in and I forgot my coffee. Life happens, doesn't it? You know what I love about God? We have it all figured out how it works. And we don't really know how it works. So what if you forgot your coffee and you didn't get to pray going into work? Terrible. Next time you're in the bathroom at work, he don't need a four-hour conversation. He's already told us you're not heard by your much speaking. All he needs is you saying, Lord, this morning was nuts. I need you to renew my mind and remind me today that you're with me, that you have a purpose. That's all it takes. You say, man, that's elementary. Well, if it's so elementary, why are there empty pews in the church? If we all got it, why are we not living kingdom? Oh, yeah, I got that. Mm, I don't know. I heard the proof was in the pudding. Saying and doing are two different things. Well, I'm going to get to my last scripture. If y'all could feel what I feel today, you'd pr I'd preach for four hours if my voice would let me. Another most popular scripture Philippians 4. Now, we're going to get to a part that everybody knows, and you know this, but I wanted to include this to show you that this is part of the text. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Go back. We got 20 minutes to 12, and I'm going to take five minutes here. What does rejoice mean? It means to have your joy filled back up. That's all it means. And he says, I want you to always let your joy fill back up. Always. And hey, you're not listening, so I'm going to have to say it again. I'm telling you, let your joy fill back up. Because this life will suck your joy from you. It'll suck your life from you. And the devil understands better than you do that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if he zaps you of your joy, coming to the house of God will be a burden. Talking about God will become a burden. Reading your Bible will become hard. Praying will become a burden. And he knows he's got you if he can suck your joy from you. What did David pray when he sinned? 
Restore me, God. No. Restore unto me back the joy of walking in salvation with you. That joy that we share as the, the hymnist wrote as we gather there. That joy that comes from your presence. Why? Because in his presence is fullness of joy. Well, I'm just struggling. And you're going to keep struggling. I, I met with every pastor friend I had during that time of anxiety because I didn't want to put any more burden on my poor wife. I knew she was like, I think my husband has lost his mind. <laughs> He's laying in a recliner and crying a whole lot. There's something crazy. And she's so sweet. She would just come in and be like, I love you. And I'd be like, yeah, I got you. And I would come sit down. We had no idea what was going on. And then all of a sudden, I start talking to all these pastors, and they're trying to tell me it's a nervous breakdown, whatever you want to call it. They've all gone through it. You can't minister to people until you walk through some stuff. But I started to notice when I would meet with my friends that were pastors, and I would talk to them, all it really was was a gripe nagging session. And you need good friends that'll listen to you gripe, okay? There was no rejoicing. There was no, you know what? And I'll get to this in a second. There was no, but man, look how faithful God's been. There's no man. He didn't forsake me in the storm. There was just, oh, poor pitiful me. I don't even know if I can do this anymore. You don't think the devil loved that? I don't even know if I can live like this. That's what I would tell him. And man, let me tell you, in the middle of it, it was real. There's a scripture where Jesus said, I have more to tell you, but I can't. The prince of this world has come, and there's nothing left in me. I've heard preachers preach that that meant he was so clean, there was nothing for the devil to get. That's not what that means at all when you read it. You ever tried to pray in the heavens or brass? The enemy squashed you like Daniel. He's, the angel showed up and said, hey, I answered the prayer three days ago. There was a warfare that was going on. And sometimes the devil comes over you, and it's real. His voice. I, I saw one of the coolest illustrations I've ever seen. It's the circle, and it says, this is the Christian walk. When you're up here on the circle, God's voice is so clear, you're in that infancy phase. He's loving on you. It's all about you. He's changing your diapers. His voice is clear. It feels like every time you ask him something, he just answers. You ever been there? If you have it, you need to get saved because it's wonderful. <laughs> but then there's the bottom of the circle. God's voice begins to go away. And the voice of the enemy at the bottom gets real loud. He begins to tell you how you're going down. He begins to tell you how everybody's forsaking you. He's beginning to tell you all these things, how you're not going to make it. It's real loud. But what I've learned is if you will continue the circle... You'll get back to the top. Now, unfortunately, you won't stay on the top. It's a circle. You're going to keep going through it till the day you die. There will be seasons where the anointing oozes on you in worship. And there will be seasons where you lift your hands anyway. I get frustrated with people that get beat down and they don't worship. I'm like, you're killing it. This is your time. The God is not interested in your worship when it's easy. He said he could anoint a rock and it'll cry out. He's interested in your love and adoration when you don't feel him and you say, you are still God. You hear everything I say. I praise you. I exalt you. I don't feel you. My hands don't even want to go up, but here they are. That's hard. If you'll fool around with that for a little while, you'll get where you lift your hands no matter what. It won't be like, oh, this is hard. It'll just be like, hey, we're in church and God's here. Feel him or no feel him, who cares? He's God. I'm going to feel him. I tell myself that all the time. There's going to be a day where I feel him forever and ever. I'm going to get all the feel I want. Of just the power and the presence and the love. I love when Jesus shows up on the scene, people fall dead. And his countenance was as the sun. They said, as the sun. That's a simile. They don't even have anything to describe him to. 
Go reading on the garden when they come to kill him. We're looking for Jesus. I love, like, if I had any moment in time I could watch, it would be this one. I would love trolling every one of those guys. Because they said, we're looking for Jesus to kill him. And he just turns around and says, I am he. And they all fall dead. That would be one of the coolest times ever. Because I would be right in there going, yeah, you really want him now. <laughs> he has to give them permission to get up because he's so full of glory and splendor and honor. And in our trial, the devil lets you forget. You can rejoice when you're in the bottom of the circle and nothing is working. you got to rejoice anyway. Now verse 5. Whew, I'm too fat for this. Let everyone come to you. Let everyone come to know your gentleness. The Lord is at hand. That Remember, the Lord's at hand. We should be gentle. Verse 6. There's that word again. Be anxious for nothing. That is a command. The Bible is clear. You do not have the right to be anxious. But in everything, by prayer, with supplication, that says gratitude. It's with thanksgiving. Make your request known to God. Now, so let's fix anxiety. We're going to read two, this scripture and one more and I'm done. Actually, we're going to read two verse nine. The reason most of us have anxiety is because we start making decisions. Verse, go to verse six real quick. Without prayer. We're anxious because we've moved without prayer. We're, we're moving and we're maneuvering and we're making decisions. Listen, God doesn't expect every time you pray. I've learned growing up in church, there's some people that first get saved and they're like, Lord, is it okay if I go to the bathroom? Like, yes. You, that's not what this is talking about. You know, Papa tells a story that I absolutely love is that this guy got saved and he was so sensitive to God and his voice, one of, one of Papa, who he calls his pastor, was out washing his car and the guy comes by and says, the new believer comes by and says, the Lord will wash, let you wash your car? And the preacher says, I didn't ask him. <laughs> and we laugh. Maybe y'all didn't laugh, but it was funny. But so I'm not trying to tell you to be crazy here. God gave you natural life. He set it in order, okay? We got good common sense as foundation for any believer. Smith Wigglesworth said that. It was great. This is talking about in your day when you start out and renew your mind, God, even the decisions I don't even know I'm, I'm going to have to make, I'm not going to have time to fast and pray for them. I want you involved in my every step. Yes. Hence, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. You know what's ahead of me. It's about Anxiety goes away when we begin to acknowledge God. Saying, Lord, I, I need you in every way. And then the last thing I'm going to say, and I'm telling you, it's getting late. It's 10 minutes till 12, real late. The First Baptist is just firing up right now. <laughs> I love them. With gratitude. I'm telling you, if you want to beat the devil's eyes out, begin thanks. Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God concerning you. Everybody comes down to the altar, what's your will, God? He's not going to tell you most of the time Honduras like he did the Polks. He's going to tell you my will is for you to give thanks in all things. When it don't make sense, I want your thanks. When it does make sense, I want your thanks. I don't want me just to bless you and you walk by. I want you to come to me with a grateful heart. And if you don't have one, I want you to ask God today for a grateful heart. You think about where you should be but God delivered you. You think about what you should have deserved, but God delivered you. We should be giving him thanks and adoration. God, I know the season's tough. I thank you for the season. You've got a purpose for it. All things are working together for my good. I thank you for the trials. You think when I was laying on my recliner like I had lost my mind and bawling my eyes out, I was in a thankful position? But you know what I learned? The next time I feel that enemy close in, Get thankful because it's going to help me. People, when I prayed for that young lady last night, 
Oh, I knew that battle feels like and I could pray and have compassion because I understand what it's like for the enemy to attack and assault your mind and you know it's not true, but he keeps throwing his fiery darts at you. You've got to pray for one another, build up one another. It's time and sometimes you're walking through a trial and it has nothing to do with you and it's about somebody else. That is when you get off the pampers and get on the meat. God, I'll endure this trial. I can't tell you the times that my mom fasted for me. She didn't feel like giving up food. I was living for the devil. And she gave up, started fasting. My dad is in church because my grandmother fasted lunch every day for how many years? Two years. You think she didn't want a cheeseburger? (laughs) It was next level. Sometimes we have to suffer so others can grow. Sometimes some of you are walking through stuff. You should be thanking God. The ministry he's given you is growing as you suffer. Thank you, God, for this trial. Even if it's not for my ministry growing, thank you because you're showing me how good you are. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And the devil sits back and goes, man, I have no idea what to do to that. (laughs) So if I attack them, they praise. I need to quit attacking them because they'll quit praising, hopefully. Do you see what I'm saying? This is not me making this up. This is right there in the word. I'm I'm worried that most church people are anxious because they don't spend time in the word. They remember what it was like when they used to read. Well, I I know. I know the Bible. Might want to sharpen that sword up, champ. Verse 7. And then, after you've honored God and thanked him, the peace of God... So many people quote this scripture, but they don't talk about the prayer and the thanksgiving and all that it requires. If you want the peace of God to rule and reign in your heart, it says that version says protect your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Let's finish till verse nine, just so I'm happy. Finally, brothers, whatsoever things are true. Aren't we talking about getting peace and ridden anxiety? What's your mind on? I'll tell you something, y'all. Social media has made your mind a little squirrely. Sometimes I, sometimes I read some of these posts. Whatever things are true and pure and good don't come into my mind. Why would I read it? Well, that's what everybody does. Well, we're in a kingdom that's a little different than everybody, aren't we? I'm thankful that you can unfollow people. When they make foolish mistakes, just unfollow them. I'm not reading their garbage. And I try to use my social media to remind people that, that God is good and he's good. So I'm not against all that, but I'm saying if you can't beat that, if your eye offends you, just pluck it out. It's better, just, just you're not missing anything. Some of these people on Twitter make me just want to headbutt myself unconscious because I'm the legno <laughs> Id- idiots that are just out there. And God showed me, why would you even subject yourself to that? Well, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, everybody's out. No, they're not. Whatsoever things are honest and pure. Look at this. Whatsoever things are lovely. As a man, th- as a man thinks, so is he. So the reason you might have drama is because you're never thinking about what's lovely and what's of a good report. Oh, we love the evil report. What's my source of anxiety? I'm reading all this. If there's any virtue, if there's any praise. Remember when you first got saved? You didn't have time for all that foolishness. You thought about the Lord and his word. That did not change. I think I've made the point. Verse 9, and I'm closed now. Do those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. And I love this part. Oh, he's the God of peace. He's the God of peace. My most favorite part about the Christmas story is when Isaiah says he'll be called the Prince of Peace. He's wonderful and he's my counselor. He's everlasting father. He's the Prince of Peace. I want you all to stand and I want the band to come. I got so mad Wednesday night at the devil. I think I kind of preached at people and I wasn't, my heart was for them.
So God gave me a redo today. How many people are in this the house that we've been assigned that are battling anxiety? I, I'm telling you, I told the Lord yesterday. I said, Lord, I'm not, not on my watch. I'm gonna do everything I can wherever I go to tell people, hey, you don't have to live with anxiety, it'll cripple you. God don't want you to be crippled. God don't want Riley to be crippled. God wants her to be blessed. God wants you to be blessed. See, Dr. K recognized I had a hang up. I'm so thankful that he would take me to play golf just to love on me. He realized that I knew the word, but I didn't believe that God could really love somebody like me. And all of a sudden, when I begin to believe, maybe you're here today and you've been like me. You've been church your whole life. And you're like, yeah, but God, you don't know what I did. He doesn't care what you did. You don't know what he did to have you. Man, you don't know my past, man. You don't know anybody's past, man. Ain't nobody in this church that wants to tell what they've done since they've been saved. Much less when you hadn't found him. We're going to fight anxiety as a church at Evangel. I'm not just talking about here. Why in the world would we not take what God gave us and take it out there? I'm telling you, when I laid my hands on that young lady in my kitchen, I felt the fire of God come down. Stronger than I felt it in the house of God. I felt His love come in and just surround them. 